I'm pretty sure 100% of the people that know me, my friends and family that actually care about me and my well-being, would tell me to not record a podcast right now. (laughs) Because I'm literally... like. I am in a point of my life where I have not ever been through such acute stress. And I've been through a lot of stuff. I've been through a divorce. I've had some bad things happen to me. I have an alcoholic father. I mean, he was like, don't tie those two together. He's a good guy. But like, you know, that comes with a lot of its own stresses. And... Just, I think you guys know this by now, but he's sober now. He's been sober for like over 30 years. We have a good relationship. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it was tough growing up. Like, I don't have, like, I, and I'm not saying like I'm a victim. And like, I made a lot of choices in my life and the stress came with those, you know, like, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I know all that stuff. Um, But I'm just kind of giving you some context so that you know when I tell you right now that this is stressful. Um, this is acute stress. But so I thought, well, I could not do it. I could not do a podcast. I could like not reach out and not talk to you guys and just clam up, um, because it's the right thing to do. Like, you know, like you're, better safe than sorry. Like, you don't want to say too much. I don't want to hurt anybody, any, like all that stuff. But that's not me. Not like, I don't want to hurt people. I'm saying like, I trust myself that I can handle this in a way that's going to help. And the only reason I trust myself is because I've done it before not so much with speaking, like writing is more comfortable for me. I can be behind a screen. I can backspace and all that stuff. But since I started this podcast, I'm I'm just like building a little bit of trust with myself. I actually think that I can, I can handle this stuff in a way that is respectful and gracious. So I'm being super vulnerable, but it's also that vulnerability is built upon a foundation that I have from experience, but also just maybe handed down from my parents or my ancestors, like some sort of stability, some sort of inner strength. I don't know. But here I am. And the reason I'm here is because I want to spread hope. And spreading hope also gives me hope. So I'm just going to go for it. In the middle of the most acute stress of my life. I'm going to go for it. Um, yeah, so I would like to start out just by reading a couple pieces of writing that I've done lately. Um, and I guess Instagram has been my platform for writing. Um, I don't love it just because I always have to like attach a picture to it and I'm a terrible photographer. But it's the way it goes, right? So I remember this week, I had a really frustrating day. Nothing compared to what I went through yesterday, but a few days ago, it was stressful. And I did a bit of a workout on the treadmill. So I'm on the treadmill, and when I'm working hard on the treadmill, I notice that 
I stare straight ahead and um, and I, I look up a little bit where if I'm just kind of slogging out the miles, I'll look down or I'll like scroll through my phone, look at Instagram and stuff. You can tell I'm stressed out by the way I'm breathing. Like I feel it. I, I hope you guys can like give me mercy because it like I'm struggling. I'm not going to cry, but I'm just like, I, I feel like my breathing is kind of weird. So I was on the treadmill, um, and then after I got off, I, I wrote this. 10 miles. I did a two-mile warm-up at 8.30-minute mile pace. Six-mile tempo at 6.49-minute mile pace. And a two-mile cool-down. I'm running, and I'm staring straight ahead at the wall, and I'm noticing that with each tempo mile that passes, my gaze lifts a little higher, marked by each particular knot on the plywood. It made me think... I know if I'm struggling, I tend to put my head down and grind it out in a death march to the finish. But that's only when I'm struggling with simply finishing. I'm not running well. When my head is up, however, even though I'm struggling, I'm still running well. Heads up. Live well. And at 42, I know I cleared my throat a lot. Um... I don't know if it's a nervous thing, but I actually think, like, I've had, like, this stupid cough kind of thing for a long time. So I know I clear my throat, sorry. But, like, just punctuated it for you. Um, I, I remember just, like, you know those races or those runs where you started out very ambitious and you're like, okay, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to do a six by two mile or six by one mile, maybe like three by two mile or whatever it is, or 12 by four hundreds. And you're like, this is going to be awesome. And you queue up the best song and all those things. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. Like the wind hits you and you're like, your legs feel dead and you're struggling to just kind of get through it. Well, I just, next time you do that stuff, like just pay attention to where your eyes go. Like, I don't even know why I'm telling you to do that. But just, like, for me, my eyes go down. And it's kind of how it goes with life, too. Like, when we're struggling just to get something done, our eyes are down. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, I'm not saying, like, okay, you always have to head your head up. Like, sometimes I, like, nauseate myself. Like, if I puked into like onto the ground I'd be like oh let's make a nice picture out of the puke I just puked like sometimes I annoy myself with like how I try to make everything positive and I don't want you guys to think that I'm just white knuckling it I am I feel like there's hope and I really do but at the same time I am feeling everything like all the trauma all the pain I'm feeling everything It's just that I'm choosing to, like, create different spaces and boundaries for each kind of thing. Like, I'll have my moment where I cry so hard that I break blood vessels in my eyeballs. And then I create a space where I spend an hour and a half on the treadmill and just run it out. I make sure that I take care of myself, my body, I have showers, and, like, I make sure that I drink enough electrolyte water and, like, really paying attention to all of that stuff. But I think, like, I'm just in that phase of my life where I'm really paying attention 
to all those things. So when I'm running and I'm struggling, I'm noticing where my eyes are. And when I'm running and I'm doing well, like that workout I did, I was like, yes, my eyes are up. Like it gives you that kind of surge of hope. Like, okay, you know what? I'm doing this. Like I am doing this. It's hard, but it's happening. You know, like that feeling, it was pretty good. Um, okay. So then the next post I wrote, it's a little bit, (laughs) it's a little rough around the edges, but I loved it. I loved it. It was one of those, okay. It was one of those posts, like a, a nod to the podcast episode I just put out before. It was one of those episodes or the, so the pieces of writing where I finished it and I like, I was wearing Callum's headphones. Like he's got these headphones from school that they sent home. They're like kid size. They're barely covering my ears. And I was listening to music. So I always have to listen to music when I write like the same song over and over and over again. And everyone in the whole room can hear it because I have bad hearing. So it's like, they're like, wow, can you change the song, Susie? And all the kids were here, like all my older kids. And they're all kind of hanging out in the living room and family room. And Callum and Jesse were running around and they were playing with them. And I was like, I need to write. And they're like, okay, you got this. So I sat down, put the kid headphones on and I wrote. And then when I was done, I totally pushed the MacBook back. And I was like, yeah, that was awesome. Yes. And it felt so good. So this is what I wrote. <laughs> Grace is a little bit like high-waisted jeans. They bring life if used correctly. But just a tiny bit too much of a good thing can give a nice girl some serious camel toe. Some of us hand out grace thinking we're God's gift to mankind. But we're really just lowering our standards so that we get some old, festering childhood needs met. There are very few of us that can actually give grace in its truest, purest form. And we're just short of a crucifixion to make that happen. But camel toe comes pretty damn close. Loved it. I loved it. Like, I, okay, I grew up in a... I don't think my mom's going to listen to this. And if my dad does, he'll be able to laugh. I grew up in a weird home. My dad was an alcoholic, but he wasn't like an alcoholic like you think they were. Like he was, um, he's a chartered accountant. So I, I lived in like fancy little neighborhood and we even lived in Santa Ana, California when I was a kid. And my dad made a lot of money. He was a big businessman. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She's just like the most beautiful, gentle, kindest woman you've ever met. She is just like, everybody loves my mom. Even when I was a teenager, people would call my house and I'd be like, hello, Susie speaking. And they'd be like, oh, hi, can I talk to your mom? They'd be like people that I go to school with, like my friends. I'm like, okay, sure. Just a second. Mom, Carol wants to talk to you. Like it was so crazy, but she's that amazing. And, but it was weird because my mom is a fanatical Pentecostal evangelical, Christian, Bible-thumping, hallelujah, go to church every single day, watch all the weird programs where they're like anointing people with oil and everyone's falling over and speaking in tongues. She's that. And my dad was a Pentecostal preacher's son who um, struggled because I think I'm pretty sure that every single preacher's kid struggles. I don't want to put words in their mouth or take away their own experiences, but it seems to be that way. And he really struggled and he met my mom and of course he fell in love with her. 
And he, all of his stuff he dealt with by working really hard and then once in a while just drinking too much to the point of like passing out and like, that's his story to tell too, but like it was, it was bad for him. And he, um, became sober when I was 13. So he's, and now I'm what, 42? So almost, okay, don't make me do math. Anyway, it was... It was like a a kind of stressful a little bit upbringing, but it was so full of love. I totally lost my train of thought. Totally lost my train of thought. Okay. Um, grace. <laughs> Crucifixion. Oh, yeah. So I was explaining to you guys. Like, I know that you noticed probably that I insert a lot of religious stuff into my posts. And you're like, well, what is she? Why does she talk about Christianity all the time? I don't have any labels for what I believe in. Um, I did go to Christian school in high school, and I went to Trinity Western University and got my, uh, like my degree there. And I actually have enough credits to have a concentration in religious studies or biblical studies, but I didn't have enough upper level to make it official. So I really love it. I love the story of Jesus. I love the story of. Um, I like the Bible. I've read the Bible in its entirety twice, like from start to finish, but I've also, you know, like read it bits and pieces here and there. I still am, I'm having a really hard time breathing because I'm so stressed out. I think you can probably feel it. Like sometimes when I listen to podcasts and the host will be all chill and they're interviewing somebody who's kind of anxious, I will be like, okay, I can't handle that because I can hear the person like, they're not breathing like they're like not exhaling so I'm fully aware that's what I'm doing right now and I'm probably making all the people with anxiety super anxious and I am so sorry (laughs) um I can't help it so breathe Susie but anyway so that's why um I yeah that's why I love talking about grace and like lilies outside of the tomb and like the story like I don't know if it's true I don't know if it's literal but man the writing is incredible the stories are so applicable to our lives and they help me they give me life and they give me hope so yes I will I'm notorious for like dropping f-bombs and then talking about Jesus (laughs) like all in the same all in the same sentence sometimes so I don't want to be offensive and I hope that I don't offend people I hope that what I'm writing is actually helping and giving hope. So, okay. There's my little disclaimer. Um, okay. So this is a great story. I just see Andrew pulling up with the boys. So I'm just going to read this really quickly and then I'll press stop and then I will follow up later. Several years ago, I took Jake, Freddie, and Katie to Playland, an amusement park in Vancouver, BC. I grew up on that old wooden roller coaster where my sister Tracy would take me each summer The thrill of the ride wasn't in the twists and turns, and it certainly wasn't for the wind in our faces. It had a top speed of about... Okay, I will start this again later. (laughs) Hey guys, I'm not sure why I feel like, um, I don't feel pressured to edit anything out. I am so raw right now, and I think, like, I'm not here, obviously, to sell anything, I'm not here to schmooze anybody. I'm not here to, like, like inspire anybody to, like, 
go and buy a new outfit and like, oh, this is going to look good with that. I don't know. Like, I'm just totally raw and real right now. Because I think, like, the only, like, the reason why I'm doing this is just hoping that um, I can reach somebody else that's kind of feeling like this too. So, I will start over. Just not, like, all over. Don't worry. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, but just that post that I was going to read out is right here. Several years ago, I took Jake, Freddie, and Katie to Playland. It's in an amusement park in Vancouver, BC. I grew up on that old wooden roller coaster where my sister Tracy would take me each summer. The thrill of the ride wasn't in the twists and turns, and it certainly wasn't for the wind in our faces. It had a top speed of about two miles an hour. The excitement happened during the several moments of the ride where we'd all literally nearly fly out of our seats, and if we managed to stay safe, it was only from slamming our femurs on the bar that held us down, or crushing our ribs on the far side of each corner. But this particular day, we skipped the old wooden roller coaster, and we stood in line for the newest ride. It was called the Crazy Beach Party. The four of us finally clambered into our seats and pulled the U-bar down over our heads and against our chests. Once the ride started going, we were thrilled, grinning from ear to ear, laughing with glee, feeling the rush of exhilaration passing through every cell in our bodies. But then the ride went a little off. I can't explain it, but we all knew deep down that something went mechanically wrong, and that crazy beach party turned into a splash park of puke. By the time the ride settled to a stop, we got out of our seats and filed out only to notice that Jake and Freddie had someone else's puke splashed onto their faces and hair. Sometimes we have no control over the mechanics of the ride we're on. Maybe we initially chose to get on, but once on, can't get off. Maybe we have to make the best of it, or maybe we do have control. Maybe we can wave a white flag of mercy and let that thing slow to a stop and get the fuck off. But most of the time, we're stuck. And the only thing left to do is wash someone else's puke off our faces and out of our hair. And hopefully let that be a lesson to not go back on that ride and just stick with the mini donuts instead. I just think this is so fun. I'm in such a good mood right now. I ended up unpublishing the episode that I did because it's it was like I'm keeping the beginning because I'm I just think it's helpful to have other people relate to me and just like I really sounded stressed out. I still am stressed out and I probably still sound stressed out, but <laughs> I look like I I couldn't even breathe. And <laughs> like I know there's people out there who relate to it. And so I'm just going to keep that part on there and just kind of bring comfort to other people who've been through that feeling of like, I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath because I'm so stressed out. Um, but the end of it was kind of depressing. So I deleted that. I'm going to do this instead um, and then republish it later. But I just feel so com- like I feel comfortable doing these podcasts. And I know that 
I don't even know. Like, I don't know a whole lot about podcasts. I honestly don't. Like, the only ones I listen to are mainly just, like, running ones, and I love them so much, but they're interview podcasts. Like, it's not just one person talking. (laughs) So, like, I know that I come across as completely self-absorbed. And you know what? I'm just going to be honest. I am a youngest child, and I'm, like, 8 and 10 years younger than my sister's. So I'm like kind of like a youngest slash only child. So I'm probably the most self-absorbed person on the planet. And so that's what you get when you have someone like me record a podcast. It's just going to be like, and then I did this, and then this is how I feel, and this is my experience. (laughs) I'm just going to listen to myself talk. Okay, but like I'm admitting that, but I'm also, (laughs) I really... And I'm telling the God honest truth right now. I am doing this because, like, I'm processing everything that I'm going through right now. So it's helping me. But I also know that it helps you guys too. And I love being able to help other people. And maybe I love helping other people because it makes me feel good. So maybe it is about me. Like, maybe I am the most self-absorbed person on the planet. And as a byproduct, if I can help people by being self-absorbed, then great. So I'm just going to go with it. But I'm just really enjoying this. Um, It's uncomfortable for me though, because I do like hiding behind that screen. And, and it's funny too, like if you ever meet me in person, um, if I'm ever uncomfortable, I'll smile like really big and like giggle and like flick my hair around because my hair is like, it's awesome. And it's, big and distracting and my teeth are huge so like I can smile and you're just gonna be like oh I don't even know what we're talking about right now because look at her teeth and her hair is everywhere you'll be distracted (laughs) but here I feel so vulnerable and like exposed because you guys I can't distract you with anything and all it is is like my weird donkey conversation coming out and it's really uncomfortable for me but I think it's good. Like, to be uncomfortable is good. Like, not too uncomfortable, but, like, this is okay. I'm okay. So, anyway, here we go. I, I'm i trying to figure out where I left off last time. Um, I think it was the Playland conversation, but I just, I've written a few things. Like, I'm trying to keep up with this thing where, oops, I just joined a live. <laughs> Emma Coburn's doing something live, and I just joined her. Sorry, Emma. Um... Yeah, the last, uh, yeah, I've been doing this thing where I'm writing every single day. Just some of it's really crappy and some of it's all right. And it's just good practice to just keep writing every day because something's going to be good. You know, something's going to help somebody. And like I said before, sometimes I'll write something and it'll be like, oh, wow, that's great. Susie, good job. And then everyone will be like, oh, this just totally touched me, my life and I'll never be the same. Okay, maybe they're not like that, but they really like it. And then I'll write something and I'll just be like, yes, this is like right underneath the Bible. And then everyone's like, oh, wow, that's really boring. And I'm confused. Pretty typical. So, okay. Um, That's the Playland one. Okay, so then here we are. We're right here. Oh, yeah. I wrote a little bit about verbal and emotional abuse. But you know what? I'm not going to go into that because it gets... Um, just uncomfortable and that I don't want to really talk about it that much. Like I do, but, um, just not quite yet. 
So um, I wrote this. We have an ant problem. And I put it in quotes. Ant problem. They're showing up in droves, like our kitchen floor is a Floridian beach during spring break. Yeah, like, I'm just going to be completely honest here, because why not? I'm not doing that well. This is tough. I mean, I'm coping, I'm hanging in there, but I'm feeling this stress in every fiber of my being. Maybe one day, one of you guys will go through something similar, and you'll read this and find relief knowing someone else has been there and survived. Ants carry really heavy things a million times their body weight for survival. We can too. So I wrote that. I'm not sure when it was. <laughs> um, four days ago. And then the next post that I wrote, I have a friend, um, Melody Phipps. She actually taught Jake, my oldest, in grade three. Oh my goodness. She's awesome. I have so many good memories of Melody. We, so the reason why I fell in love with her, not like fell in love with her, but like, anyways, I just love her. I absolutely adore her. But, um, I, our boys went to MEI, which it stands for Mennonite Educational Institute. Um, it sounds very cold. It was a Christian private school. Uh, Mennonite, um, is a denomination of the Christian faith. And so, um, it was good. It was awesome. It was a good school. And Melody was Jake's grade three teacher. And they took this field trip to a local public school for um, an education in Diwali. And so Diwali is a festival for people of the Sikh religion. And like... Melody got, like, all these parents writing into her and, like, emailing her and showing up in her classroom, and they're like, we put our children in a Christian private school so that they don't get, like, so that they can, um, they don't get exposed to the outside world, um, that kind of thing, and I was the only parent that wrote in to Melody, and I was like, that is so cool and so ballsy that you're taking all of our kids to a Diwali festival. Like, that's awesome. And she wrote back, she's like, you are the only person that is supporting this. All the other parents are like, this is not okay. And she became my instant friend. So I've known Melody since, okay, well, Jake's 19 and he was in her class in grade three. So he probably would have been like eight years old, something like that. So, yeah, she lives in Poland right now. She teaches English out there, and I just adore her. I love her. And we, we speak on the, on the phone a little bit, not as much as I would like, but um, she comes out here usually once a year, and we have the best time just catching up and everything. But one time years ago, um, if you guys have ever seen me dressed up like Dave Babich, the Dave Babich is that Canuck with a big mustache, um, we knitted mustaches and we wore them and we went to a Canucks alumni game and I met Dave Babbage. So that's Melody. And then I threw up lime green Vex coolers later that night, but whatever. Anyway, so this is the post that I wrote. I know you guys have been through some trauma. Nobody gets a free pass. When you're in it, 
Doesn't it feel like you were the only person ever to go through what you're going through? And when we get all fetal and pasty, reaching out to a grand total of nobody, our isolation breeds little Frankensteins that circle around our pathetic existence to consume what's left of our energy. I live on the west coast of British Columbia. My friend Melody lives in Poland, nine hours ahead of me. I can log on to Facebook and connect with my friend Mark, who lives in China, 14 hours ahead. I open up Instagram, and when I'm awake at 2 a.m. with cold, anxiety sweats, I can see my friends on the East Coast brewing coffee and logging miles. As alone as you might feel, there's always someone ahead of you. And I wrote that post just because, just to like kind of drive it home that as alone as we might feel and everything, someone's been through it before. Like not to make you feel like insignificant or to be invalidated. Like obviously what we're going through is our own, it's our own story and nobody can kind of dig into that and say that, oh, you know, like no one can eye roll at it. it it's definitely our own, but... I just wanted to, my point was just like, we're not alone. You know, like there have been people that have kind of gone through what we've gone through. And it's kind of amazing. So this next post that I wrote three days ago, two days ago. I spend so much energy staying busy so I don't have to deal with the pain that comes with being still. Once in a while, I will force myself to stop. Andrew has the boys out somewhere in the pouring rain, and I spent the last 20 minutes sitting on our balcony looking out at the shit yard that mimics our shit marriage, and my heart grieves double time, and it's uncomfortable, and I hate it, and I just want the the sun to come out and dry everything up. I set my camera to capture a shot of myself that will make me feel good and distract me from how shitty I feel. And then I got that sinking feeling as I scrolled through the shots that I was doing something wrong. I want to help the whole lot of us, not just me, for fuck's sake. I want you guys to know that when you do a bunch of weird shit to distract you from the pain of reality, that you're normal. Selfies are normal. Wanting to look cute is normal. Needing love is normal. It is all normal. Stay busy. Fine. Stay still, that's good too. It will rain either way, and the sun will come out tomorrow. I just thought, like, after I wrote that, I was thinking about the whole selfie thing. How, like, I get kind of awkward, because, like, I'll have to set up my camera in, in that selfie mode, or what is it? a timer kind of thing or like a video and then I'll just go through and take a screenshot but it's like it feels really uncomfortable and then <laughs> it always makes me I, I know I've I know I've talked to you guys about this before but like with Instagram I can't just write something and then have it blank although that post that I wrote about uh, verbal abuse I think I just posted a black square But, like, for the most part, I feel like I have to post a photo of something. And 
So I do this like awkward thing where I set my camera up and I'm trying to like take a picture and and then obviously, yeah, I post selfies. Like I post selfies of myself running and then people are like, oh, look at your abs. They're like, oh, nice quad. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to lie. Like I totally go through the still shots and I pick the ones that look the best. And I'm not going to like, obviously like sometimes I will do goofy ones and I'll post stuff on my stories or like whatever. I'm like, hey, this is good practice to just be uncomfortable and post something that does not look good, that good. Um, and that's good practice. But even then, we're like, I'm still choosing the quote unquote bad frame, right? And, and then I was thinking like, like if I had a photographer that came and took pictures of our family and then my sister, my ex-sister-in-law, Carmen, she's a photographer. She's awesome. Um, if she came and took photos of us and gave me like all the negatives I would go through them and I would pick the good ones like I wouldn't pick the ones where like one of my eyes is crossed or my tongue's hanging out or like you know where like it looks like I have a penis or something I don't okay I don't even know why why would I have a like I have no idea why I would have a penis but like it's like there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with pick posting pictures of ourselves that we think are like, okay, well, that's kind of the better one. Like, I think everyone just needs to relax. Like, it's okay. It's okay to think that you look cute. It's okay to pick the good ones. It's okay. It's all okay. Anyway, there's my rant. I'm almost done. Um, the next one. There has been this huge surge of creativity. Adversity heats up cold metal and shapes it into something we can bend around our collarbones, wrists, fingers. We are all so uncomfortable and therefore we are all so creative. You'll even notice that the people who are expressing that they're shutting down and losing light are doing just that, expressing themselves. We will never go back to life as we knew it and that makes me uncomfortable. So I'm pushing into this unknown territory with a heat of creativity, sculpting something just as intimate, if not more. Shutting down, opening up. Whatever verb we use, we are carving out a new sacred space. Yeah, and I just wrote that because I just think like, there's so much creativity. Like my friend Wendy, she posted this comment on Facebook on one of my posts and she's like, yeah, I'm really struggling, and sorry, Wendy, if I'm butchering your comment, but it's like, yeah, I'm really struggling. This is so hard. I'm really, really having a hard time finding hope and light, and she's like, I'm just forcing myself to go outside more. I planted potatoes, and she planted something else. Shoot, I forget what it was, but like, how awesome is it? Like, she's creating. She's planting. She's like, I just love that. Like, even as we're having such a hard time, and just feeling so much darkness it's yet we are still pushing light into it i just loved it okay and i wrote this one today i'm gonna let you guys go there's this patch of rhubarb okay i feel like i'm gonna cry hold on (laughs) okay okay Susie, come on there's this patch of rhubarb growing in the most random spot in our backyard 
like it's so random that it may have well sprouted out the mole on my cheek and I'd be no less amazed. My grandpa and grandma Douglas grew rhubarb, among a million other things, and I'm choosing to let them comfort me through those little red stalks. My grandpa, Fred, he used to prop me up on his lap on his wooden rocking chair and read the Bible aloud. His voice labored by the breathlessness of having only one lung after being deathly ill with tuberculosis in India, where he grew up. My grandma, Kathleen, would mix me up some porridge in my favorite bowl, the one with Peter Rabbit etched into the bottom, the sweet reward of finishing my breakfast while my bare legs stuck to the vinyl kitchen chairs. People call me strong. I don't know if they're right, and honestly, it doesn't really matter because I have to get through this either way. Maybe it will make me stronger. Maybe it will kill my spirit. But if I'm anything like that badass little rhubarb back there, I have a hunch that's going to take a hell of a lot to bring me down. That's what I wrote for today, and I think I should just leave it at that. I think this is a long enough um, episode. I... It's a long episode. I think it started out pretty uh, intense, breathless. So here we are, kind of relaxed, but that's kind of the cycle of how we're going. You know, like some days you guys will have good days, you know, get a little bit of hope, like, okay, this is almost over. And other days will feel kind of overwhelming and suffocating. But I mean, eventually we're going to get there. It won't be the same as it was before. But I believe that we can make it amazing nonetheless. All right. Take it easy, you guys.